Okay, that's it. It's that's it? Turn. It's your turn? I'm proud and I'm excited uh, for what Heather has to share and just blessed. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and at first, at first he tried to say he was going to preach with me and I was like, I don't need you up there. That's true. <laughs> Woo! Okay. All right. Good morning, you guys. Thank you all for coming. It really means a lot to me that so many of you came out. Um, Beginning of the week, I was... um, I wasn't sure I was actually going to do this. And so, middle of the week, when Jason started telling everybody that I was going to speak, I got mad at him because I kept thinking I could pull out, you know, day before, and he could still pull off a message. But now I couldn't because he kept... You know, he was telling everybody. So... (laughs) My parents included, and I, I still can see you. I told them they couldn't sit in the front. They had to sit in the back. I'd be nervous. But I heard my dad, because he makes this <clears throat> sound, and I knew they were here, so that's nice. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, none of that's in here. So uh, the message that God gave me, I felt like was a perfect closure to this uh, Tough Love series. Um, so I wanted to wait months to present it, but it really just fits right now where we're at, and it's better that I just get it out and don't have to stress about it, so um, I think part of this is just for me, like I needed, this year has been full of adjustments and changes, and I needed to process and work through it, and it helps me to write things down, and it's been really helpful for me to spend so much time in God's Word and processing over these last couple weeks, so um, I actually started writing this while Jason was in Florida just a few weeks ago. So Colby saw my notes and was like, are you planning to preach? And it's like, shh, don't tell. (laughs) So he did a good job. He didn't tell you, right? No. Okay. I'm going to pray just to get us started. I'll put this over here. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, I just thank you for this morning. I just pray that you would be here and all my words would be your words. uh, That you would just help all of us to be open to what you want us to learn and Just discover more about your love and how you love us and care for us, just individually and also as a church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. So I'm going to attempt to close this Tough Love series, and I kept going back to 1 John. So this morning I'm going to read 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Um, and then I'll, I'll read it all through. It's kind of long, so bear with me, and then we'll touch back on a few of the verses throughout the morning. So this little section is uh, titled, God's Love and Ours. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God, loved, God showed his love for us, among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. 
God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Um, So today I'm hoping that we can gain an understanding about how much God loves us, and then how we show God's love through each other as a church. So, here we go. Um, When you grow up in church, it's really easy to just do church. Um, I think if you grow up or grew up in church, then you can totally relate to that statement. Um, I often envy Jason because he has to study God's word and um, spend time figuring out the scriptures to figure out how he's supposed to live this Christian life or how he's supposed to do church. Um, But it was pretty much in every area of my life growing up. Uh, I went to a private Christian school, um, Sunday school, Pioneer Clubs. Um, Then as we get older, youth group, Bible trivia, mission trips, um, you name it. All the things (laughs) that you do. Um, And then I ventured out, took a couple of classes at a local community college, and quickly learned that I wanted to go to a Christian college, too. Um, So I ended up at Trinity Western University uh, up in Canada, where I got my nursing degree. Um, And then to top off that life, um, dropping things, um, my life was pretty easy. Um, I'm not telling you that to brag or to complain, it's just a fact. I had a wonderful childhood. Um, um, It didn't really, I don't feel like it really set me up for the real world very well. Um, It always left me wondering if it would be easier to follow God if life was hard. I asked our small group if I'm allowed to say that right after saying my life's easy, like, oh, your life is hard, so is it easier for you to follow Jesus? Um, But they said I could say that. (laughs) Um, I think at many points my life would have looked similar whether I followed God or I didn't just because my life was easy. Not perfect, um, but easy. I guess I'm saying um, there wasn't a lot of practice at needing Jesus. Uh, So, like, the worst things that happened to me in my childhood were getting my feelings hurt or breaking a bone or something like that. There was never any worry about livelihood, stability, or safety. And then another thing you might want to know or might not want to know about me is um, I really like to analyze people and (laughs) questions a lot. So then you're going to wonder if I'm analyzing you. Um, I I ask myself a million questions a day. Is it obvious that I love Jesus? What stands out to make my life look different? Why does it look different? Um, What do I believe about this? Or what do I believe about that? Or how can this person feel 100% opposite of me about this, but yet we both believe and love Jesus? Um, I also really enjoy analyzing um, my behavior as well as other people's behaviors. I always wonder why I'm doing something. Um, I think it would have been fun to be a counselor or psychiatrist or something, but it's too late for that. But I really like um, analyzing human behaviors. Um, It's so easy to get caught up in what we should do. Every day I have to recheck my heart because I feel like it's obvious if we're doing something because 
we should do it or because we want to do it or because we're doing it out of love for God. Um, we think we can fool people, but uh, you can go to church, tell you're blue in the face, and no one really thinks any better of you. Um, you think that you're fooling people, but it's really, it's really, and maybe you can fool people, but the point is you can't fool God. Um, so today I want to take a look at this question of what's the big deal about being a part of a group of people that allows Jesus to love them and then in turn love on each other? I think that's up there. You have to make blanks after you write these things. <laughs> so I'm going to attempt to answer that, and then we'll revisit it at the end of the message. Um, for those of you that don't know, I think most of you do, Jason and I got licensed to foster just about a year ago. Uh, we then had the privilege of parenting five kids this year. Um, two of them were our littles, were the fosters. They're age two and four. And then we also have... Um, three bio kids, 8, 11, and 13. I'm learning and fostering. That's completely okay lingo to introduce your kid as your bio kid. <laughs> so there's so much to say about fostering, and I felt like you could go on forever about it, but what I mostly learned is that we don't hardly know anything about fostering. I only know how to foster Charlotte and Josiah. But today I just want to talk about um, four, a little girl, four-year-old little girl named Charlotte. And I practice saying that without crying. She's, she's forever changed me. I'm not the same person I was when she showed up at our house. She's taught me more about life and caring for the hurting and the broken. Um, she taught me more than I could ever learn going to youth group, mission trips to crazy, the poorest places like Haiti, um, serving in youth ministries, um, served in youth ministries in college as well, but I, even more maybe than reading God's word, but I feel like God has taught me more through loving Charlotte. Um, this little girl came to us very, very broken. She, um, um, I kept saying every evening as we would go to bed to Jason, I'm like, these kids are just broken, because I didn't know how else to explain it. Charlotte had experienced more heartache and pain in her four little years than I have yet or hope to ever experience. She came to us running, like literally running. Not like busy, busy running, but like literally running. The social worker set her down in the house. She ran out onto the deck. She ran down the deck stairs, out into the front yard, up the street, and into the middle of the street where Jason had to go grab her and bring her back in, kicking and screaming. Um, but it didn't really end there. Every single time the front door of the house opened for the next few weeks, she, she ran out. She ran out, and she would go knock on neighbors' doors. Leah knows, because this happened at her house. If they opened the door, she just ran right in. And I had to bring her home, kicking and screaming. Uh, we got new neighbors last summer, and we were meeting them in the street where we all play, because it's flat. And uh, they were like, they saw Charlotte, and they're like, oh, that was a little girl in our webcam. Because <laughs> she was knocking on their door, and they weren't home. Uh, and I was like, I'm sure if you kept watching that video, I was right behind her. <laughs> um, but the running didn't really stop. It slowed down, but it kind of switched directions. It then switched to whenever Charlotte went anywhere or with anyone else, she asked to live with them. 
She has to live with Tanya, but that totally made sense to me. Everybody wants to live with Tanya. But, but it was everywhere we went. She wanted to live with my friends. Laura, Sarah, Amy, anybody. Anybody that she spent time with, she would ask if she could go live with them. So we foster through uh, an, an organization called Skookum Kids, and they come check on us once a month, which we really, at first I found annoying making the appointments, but came to really love their visits because somebody was checking on me. Um, it took me quite a few months to mention that Charlotte would rather live anywhere other than me when the foster specialist asked how we were doing. And she replied without any hesitation. She said, that's fostering. All the kids do that. And I was like, I just let that really sink in. Like, all the kids do that? If they all do that, then it isn't just foster kids. It's, it's human nature. It means if any of us would experience similar things or go through something hard, it would also be our tendency to run. Can any of, you, any of you relate to just running from God or running away from where you know God wants you to be? Um, Charlotte's best bet was for her to be happy and accept living in our home. Um, and people kept saying to us, oh, they're so lucky to have you guys. And I'd always think, well, I don't think Charlotte thinks so. <laughs> I, I said it out loud a couple of times and got rude responses, so I quit saying that. <laughs> And now I start to think what happens when these kids grow up. What happens when we grow up and we've been broken as kids? Are we all still running? What makes them any different from any of us? Is there something that you feel like you're running from? Or are you like Charlotte and you're just running as fast as you can anywhere and you don't even have a clue where you're going? We chose to love Charlotte even though she wasn't giving us anything back. I prayed for a heart to understand her pain. I prayed every day for patience, for a heart to love her through it. And uh, it definitely didn't happen overnight, but um, God did give it to me. I don't think I could love that girl any more than I do. We took her a little bit over a week ago to live with her mom in Yakima. And I, um, my heart hurt the entire way. And I'd never experienced pain where you're actually physically, you can feel in your heart that it hurts. Um, she's doing okay, though. We have seen her a couple times on video chats. So, But here's the deal. God loves us like that. No strings attached. Even if we fight it or we think we don't want it, even if we are running around like crazy, he's still there loving us. I, of course, had to pray and ask God to give me that love for Charlotte, but God is already there loving us no matter what. So the series is Tough Love. I know that's a long introduction. Um, back to 1 John. If you want to just understand God's, um, God's love, I would just read 1 John over and over again. I've actually not used my phone as a Bible app much, but Amy at Meet Me in the Valley kept saying how much she loved her, her Bible app, so I just put it on, and I kept having it reread it to me. Like, you can be, like, doing a million other things and also reading the Bible. I was like, that's very handy. So I've, I hadn't really used it like that, but I really enjoyed it this week just to try to let it sink in. But I want to revisit um, Um, verses 16b and 17 says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. So we need to be able to accept God's love. He loves us no matter how we come to him. 
He has a plan and a hope for what is best for each of us. And we need to stop running just anywhere and almost run to his love. Say for the sake of my analogy that God's best place for you is, should you choose to accept it, is this community at CTK Sudden Valley or your home church. Has there ever been a time you wanted to run? Um, I'm not saying we all need to literally run to church, but maybe that is what we need. Sven went through his book collection recently. You might have seen it on Facebook. And I got a whole bunch of his books. I I even had a picture. I was going to have him take a picture of my lot. I don't know if Jason has it up there. (laughs) So those are my books. It's going to take me like five years to get through them. So if you want to come borrow, feel free. They're just, there's no room for them, so they're by the fireplace. Uh, but the first one I picked up is this ragamuffin gospel. And the next point in your thing is we are all ragamuffins. This is such a good book. I wanted to tell you I was done with it, and you can have it, but I'm not done yet. Um, the whole book is about how, um, like it was so easy for me to envision Charlotte as a ragamuffin. <laughs> but the whole book is about how we all are ragamuffins. We all um, we all come to Jesus broken. And when we, um, we will never have it all together. We need to know that God loves us as the ragamuffins that we are. It goes on and on about how God chose to spend his time with the ragamuffins. So, I, so if you feel like you're broken and beat down, this book is really good for you. Uh, but if you feel you have it all together, I feel like this is also a really good book for you because he talks about as soon as you think you have it all together, you've really lost it. So your next blank. Because we can't come to God unless we know that we're broken. I feel I'm not the same person that I was nine months ago. I've cried more and I felt more pain than in my last 39 years together. Some people, a lot of people got to see me, witness me crying in public. Um, I knew I asked, I knew, I knew God asked me to be, to foster. I honestly, I'm trying to only do what God calls me to do anymore because it's easier most of the time that way, but that's how I landed myself up here. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that when these two little ones showed up that, um, I'd gotten the wrong ones. I really did. (laughs) There's no way that God wanted me to love them. They don't act like me. They don't look like me. They were really true ragamuffins. Um, I look back to last summer, and um, we went on a, a girls' camping trip. And Cody Smith, not Cody, Christy. Cody, Cody was there, too. She was listening, too. But Christy did such a good job listening to me. I gave her all the reasons why I couldn't be their mom. Like, she just listened, too. She never once told me to change my mind or anything. I was like, oh, you're a good listener, so I'm going to recommend you as a good listener. (laughs) But um, I really felt like they looked neglected, and that was going to look bad on me, and I... um, that's definitely been a whole nother learning curve. At first, it was easy to just hang out with all of you guys, but seriously, when I'm in public, I really had to recheck my heart on what really matters. Um, but I know for sure that these were the little ones for us. Um, I thought that we were going in it to help them, but I really think it's helped grow us more, me personally and us as a family. I feel that I understand pain in a way that I never could. I have a glimpse of what neglect and emotional abuse can look like and even what physical and emotional baggage people carry for life looks like. Um, I often feel like I get to pastor alongside Jason. At first, this scared uh, the living daylights out of me. Some of my friends can verify. Um, But now I just love it. 
We both love pastoring here. Um, a few years ago, our small group went through Philippians, and it resonated me, with me that I feel the same way that Paul did um, towards the church at Philippi, towards all of you, and I just wanted to read it. Um, this is something I often read before um, I come to church in the morning just to try to get my head in the right spot so that I'm not, you know, grouchy at anyone when I get here. But Paul writes here, um, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. It has to be closer. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with his affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I have this all underlined, and it says I feel this way towards CTK Sudden Valley. Small group, we studied that just over three years ago because I've got it all noted in there, but I still feel like it resonates with me on a daily basis. Um, we love doing life with, like, all of you. Um, I really enjoy coming along someone in their pain and or in their joy and helping as a listening ear or an encouraging voice. I really love to speak truth into people's lives. I want to, people to know how Jesus sees them. Oftentimes, people get stuck in their own ego self that's just filled with lies and, and non-truths about who they are. But I want people to know what God's word says about them. What brings me the absolute most joy in life is seeing someone who has been broken and pushed down start to see the truth of how God sees them and watch that same person soar. You guys know who you are. (laughs) You know what happens first. They figure out how to take care of themselves. They figure out how to pray and how to let God into their world and ask him for direction. And then they learn to accept God's love for them. And after they accept that love, they can start to love other people that same way. So church, we are Charlotte. I'm not saying that, we are any, that I'm anything like God, but for the sake of my analogy, God is loving on us always, much better than I have loved Charlotte. He's always thinking of our best interest. He's always teaching us. Charlotte did not like learning to be potty trained. She didn't like learning to walk down the street holding hands or learning to listen, and she especially didn't like learning to share. Um, but now that she knows these things, she's much happier, and she is that she has chosen to learn them. And she especially didn't, now that she has these, sorry, she has the ability to make friendships in a whole new world of make-believe, which we just saw at the very end with Micah and her friends. Just a few Saturdays ago, we went for a walk around Lake Louise as a family, and it was still mostly covered with snow, so it was like an ice skating rink. And I kept saying, my shoes are too slippery, but Jason kept saying it was me. It probably was because no one else was struggling. Um, but if you go on that back side as you round the corner, it goes up a little bit. And I kept taking steps up and literally sliding back down. And then on like the third time, I feel this little hand right here. And it's Charlotte saying, I got you, Mama. And that just hit me straight to the core. 
I've never been so touched by something someone so little said before because I'd been trying to have her back for eight months and she'd basically given me nothing. She'd never done one single thing for me. I mean, she'd bonded with the kids. Jason, for sure, she really likes Jason, even though he's stricter than me. Um, she'd made friends, but she had not bonded with me. Have you ever tried to love someone that didn't want your love? It's really, really, really hard. It's tough and it's exhausting. I mean, I dressed her cute, you all know. I did her hair, I helped her bathe, I potty trained her, gave her all the life skills, how to walk out the door, not run. Um, but she just, she just didn't do it back. Um, we have to do the hard work of being disciplined. The, the reward is that we get to live the life that God has for us. We start to experience the joy that Amber and Sven preached about a few weeks ago. Then sometime down that road, God is going to ask us to do something because God loves others through his believers. That's Charlotte holding me up and saying, I got you, Mama. She put her arm up and was ready to help any way she could, even though she probably would have gotten crushed if I had fallen. <laughs> Sometimes what we feel God is asking us to do is we think it's too risky. But from personal experience, when you follow his lead, you'll be grateful. God wants to use us. He wants us to worship him. Since Charlotte had given in to loving me, she was the happiest little girl. I don't know, for those of you that got to experience seeing her towards the last few weeks, you get to see that happy little girl. She was just happy all the time. And I hope she's still happy. <laughs> so today I want to ask if you're running. Um, you don't have to circle it on your paper if you don't want your neighbor to see you. But it's, are you running? And it's just like, yes, no, maybe, just like when you're in school. Like the boys, do you like me? Um, are you running from God and what is best for you? Are you fully giving in to his love and discipline? Or are you running as soon as you sense you might be loved? So we have seen this countless times here at church. And I've never really been um, able to put words to it. Uh, and it makes me nervous to say this. But we are all scared like Charlotte, so we run. How many people have been through these doors and when they get a glimpse that they will be loved here for being a ragamuffin, they run? It's scary to be so vulnerable. Um, see, we are always trying to love like Jesus, and I love watching how this church loves, but it can be scary. When Jason got hurt, this church just like swept us up. They took care of us from meals, finances, prayer, continuing to pay Jason even though he couldn't even do his job. No one even asked us about that. They just kept paying us. Um, but honestly, after we started back, I, uh, there was a time I wanted to run because I was like, it's really scary to jump back in. I mean, how many meals was I going to have to make to repay you all for months of food? And how do you, how do you repay that kind of love? Um, but this is, that's just how this church loves. We're not the first people that got to experience it, and nor are we going to be the last. But church, we've seen so many people run. It's scary to be loved by others unless we can understand and grasp how God loves us. We need to know that we are ragamuffins, but also know that God sees us as his perfect children, his perfect creation, and very worthy of that love. Um, this reminds me of what our foster specialist said. That's just fostering. 
If Jason and I were to meet with a new pastor and wife and they were sad about losing a member because that they felt they had loved so well, I wouldn't hesitate to say that's just part of doing church. But church, my prayer is that this church can learn to accept God's love and then in turn we can accept love from each other and continue to grow in our faith together. So back to the question, what's the big deal about being part of a group of people that allows Jesus to love them and then in turn can love each other? Why do we come? If we decide to plug in and stay to a community and pursue Jesus, what's our reason? It's always got to be to worship our Savior, whether that be through ministering to those around us, through some sort of service, taking the time to sing out and worship and think about who God is or sharing of our time and resources. We do it out of obedience because God calls us into a life of fellowship. He loves others through us. In 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because Jesus first loved us. I feel like that's really plain and simple. So then, in the Ragamuffin Gospel, he quotes Henry Nouwen in the book, You Are Beloved. And I feel like he says everything I said way more eloquently. So I'm going to close with that. Says Jesus says, you have a home. I am your home. Claim me as your home. You will find it to be the intimate place where I have found my home. It is right where you are in your innermost being, in your heart. The more attentive we are to such words, the more we realize that we do not have to go far to find what we are searching for. The tragedy is that we are so possessed by fear that we do not trust our innermost self as an intimate place, but anxiously wander around hoping to find it where we are not. We try to find that intimate place in knowledge, competence, notoriety, success, friends, sensations, pleasure, dreams, or artificially induced states of consciousness. Thus, we become strangers to ourselves, people who have an address but are never home and hence cannot be addressed by the true voice of love. All right, I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to share with this church that I love so much. I just pray that you would continue to tug on our hearts and show us how much you love us and continue to show us how to love each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yeah, okay. <laughs>